Welcome to Mummy and Diddy. The podcast where we discuss horror movies featuring children. Because parenting, it can be scary. And kids are definitely creepy. Un, dos, tres, toca la pared. <laughs> are you ready to play? Un, dos, tres, toca la pared. <laughs> Every time, every time, I get the chills. The chilly willies. Ooh. Okay, okay, okay. Hi. Hi. Well, this is what's going on here. We'll be sleeping with the lights on tonight again. (laughs) Yes. The 2007 movie El Orfanato. The, the orphanage. orphanage. Episode Ooh. 34, we had to do it right. We had to. 34 is my lucky number, and I enjoy this movie quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be pretty obvious throughout this whole episode, but I can't wait to talk about it. We saw this bad Larry in the theaters. We did, and I had the feeling as I was watching it that I often have during very scary movies where I think to myself... If I could throw up tears, <laughs> I would. <laughs> I, I was so scared. Hold my hair back. Hold my eyelids open. <laughs> or like, if I could just cry and throw up at the same time. If I could throw up tears. <laughs> um, yeah, because I'm... I. I've seen this movie, this is the fourth time I've seen it now, and I realized that it's not that scary, and so I totally understand the listeners if you're like, it's not that scary, but seeing it in the theater, woo. Yeah, we're talking first viewing, 2007 style. First viewing, I was like, this movie rules. It's like exactly the kind of scares that I love, the Mm -hmm. scares I crave, the scares I need. The jaw rips you demand. Oh my God, that one is so good. Okay, okay, okay. Before we, let's not get ahead of ourselves. You're right, you're right, you're right. Because we have such a fun thing to talk about before we even get into the orphanage. (sighs) And that is, thank you, thank you, thank you, listeners. You, a nice compliment. (laughs) No. It doesn't always work out, you know? Oh, look at this baby. She don't know what's going on. All right. I just want to thank our listeners, Josh, for answering our question of the week in spades. You really did. You came through. You answered the call. Maybe we just needed to, I don't know, ask a good question. And I think we did because you answered. And I'm so excited to talk about all of the songs that are living rent-free in your brains. And we're talking about kids' songs. Some of you answered the question, I won't say wrong, but (laughs) some of you (laughs) answered it better than others. Only one of you is walking away with the prize of a movie rental on the platform of your choice. 
that I don't even think you'll need to use for the orphanage. I believe it is currently streaming for free. Well, that's good because at this point they've already watched it. They're yeah, that's right. You're yeah. looking at episode 35. You're looking ahead. I like yeah. that about you. Um, <laughs> yeah. So some people answered the question in a way of that. I, I, I don't think they were reaching back far enough into their childhoods. They mm-hmm. just talked about like songs that they enjoyed as maybe teenagers. So we just, we're going to put those aside for now. Maybe we'll talk about something like that later but we were talking about kids songs and i guess yeah. i wasn't that specific same even on the show i don't think i said like that triceratops song like when were we listening to that tape i was three or four years old well yeah you know? but like it was kids songs on the episode but when i posted the question of the week it That's was true. just like what songs from your childhood so yeah th- this i, I yeah th- it really was more like what kids song that's right okay so we have a few we'd like to share with you that are runners up. Um, and our first one comes to us from uh, Marion in Somerville. Mm, let's hear it. Sesame Street, the Street Garden Cooperation song. Uh, I That's love great. a good Sesame Street song. I used to get um, a lot of those stuck in my head. There's one that I love so much. It's not that one. But that's a great one to have in your head, especially Marion's a teacher. I know this somehow about uh, our listener. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I bet that's a fun one to get stuck in your head. But I love I love all the Sesame Street songs. They're great. They're so good. In most eras, too. That, but that disco era is special. Yes. That 70s era. I love doing the eh, eh, pigeon. Mm. And then um, doo-wop, doo-wop, don't stop. Don't know that one. Oh, man. Okay. After that, um, well. That's a solid entrant. You're telling me that's already a runner-up. That's a runner-up. Not the best. It's not the winner. It's not the winner. Um, we also got a, a, a voice memo from our first and only guest of the pod, Aunt Monica. That's right. Let's play it. Hello, this is Aunt Monica, one and only guest of the pod. I wanted to share with you my earworm song from when I was little that I still sing today. It came from a bing, turn the page book record that I had. And it was a knockoff of Wizard of Oz. I think she meant Peter Pan, FYI. So... No Peter Pan song that is recognizable to anyone other than me. And the song at the very end, and I loved it so much, it went like this. If you believe in fairies, then clap your hands. If you believe in fairies, then clap your hands. Tinkerbell will get well if you clap your hands. If you believe in fairies, then clap your hands. 
and I sing it to myself all the time. <laughs> I've never heard it in probably 30 years, but it's always there. So I know that song as well. <laughs> as soon as she started singing it, I I know that song. Do you know that song? No, I do not. No. Yeah. I don't remember the book that she's talking about, but we must have just sang the song and I must have just you heard it. probably just kept the tape and ditched the book. Yeah. Yeah. We had a lot of those. I feel like we had a lot of those like tapes scattered around. I had a Star Wars one. Yeah. It was the R2-D2 sound to turn the page. Yeah. This is a blast, but like not having the book, it made it us a little like, this is a little <laughs> annoying. <laughs> I didn't tell people how to do their jobs, but that's obviously what's sticking around, not yeah. the book. And then- for is it i guess this is first runner-up um that was number three and number two so we have a tie for first runner-up which not a tie for first place a tie for first first runner-up because two people sent the same song in and And we're not gonna pay eight dollars people get out of (laughs) here no well there was just one that just led the pack that's right okay so um but ellie in north hollywood and uh Craig in Los Feliz, <laughs> Uncle Craig, as he's known in these parts, um, they both sent in the same song. And when they did, I didn't immediately play the the clip for myself. I was just like, oh, the the, you know, I saw what it was. But when I played it, I just started singing along. Like, I don't think I, it was just buried so deep mm. in my I know all the words to this song. So here we go. I bet some of you will too. Danny's fuzzy. I love him because he's just Pooh Bear, Winnie the Pooh Bear. Do you? At least every now and again. My key change in the boobay. is from the new adventures of Winnie the Pooh, which I watched a lot. I remember that one. We did not have the Disney Channel <laughs> as children. It's the only thing, the only add-on we had mm-hmm. as a kid. It must have been nice for you. Well, it was. Um, but it, I got to see it. It was on, so we had like a VHS or something. Yeah. Uh, but the the theme song and the the montage that goes along with it on YouTube, it makes it seem like a way more exciting show, I gotta say. It's very misleading. Oh, bother Piglet. Yeah, it's still just Winnie the Pooh, so everybody just calm down. Okay. (laughs) Everybody relax, sit back down. um, Yeah, don't go rushing off to Netflix to try to find uh, the new adventures of Winnie the Pooh. Although, I'm sure our kids would love it, actually. Disney Plus, probably. Okay, everybody. Drumroll, please. The time has come to reveal the 
winner of our um, question of the week uh-huh. rental giveaway. I don't know. I'm trying to find it. Hold on. <laughs> okay. So this submission came to us on Instagram uh, from Tommy Trombones, who had just just written us a message that said, the prune song by Frank Crummett. I, I sing it. I sing it all the time. So we looked it up. I was expecting I was I was expecting something animated. Yeah. Um this song is from Well, let me just play it. We often gaze on women over 50 Without the slightest trace of wrinkles on their face Doctors go and take their dough to make them young and nifty But doctors I defy to tell me just why No matter how young a prune may be It's always full of wrinkles We may get them on our face Prunes get them every place Prohibition worries us But prunes don't sit and brood For the matter how young a prune may be It's always getting stewed This song is from 1928. (laughs) 1928. So, you know, a different definition of what was and wasn't for children back then. Tommy Uh, Charmbones, I don't believe, is... uh, 93? (laughs) 100 million years old. Um, But it was so creepy and so fun to listen to that song that you, you got you got us you gotta Tommy give it, you got to give it to him because it is yeah it's just it's wackadoodle it's pre <laughs> great depression it's pre wall street <laughs> he's recording oh. the hits uh you'll be happy to know he was uh dead 15 years later <laughs> tell me trombones Frank Crummett. Oh. <laughs> I believe he's been dead for 30 years. <laughs> oh, my God. The prune song. Now it's in my head. Holy cow. It's really something. Yeah. It is uh-huh. weird how many like of those kind of, I'll just call them folk songs, made it like Big Rock Candy Mountain and stuff. They're really... Like hobo songs and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. That became "You Are My Sunshine," right? The, Thank these you. early oh, Americana right. songs. Mm-hmm. You are also my sunshine. Um, and you know how many made it into the great children's songbook? Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and obviously a bunch with um, incredibly problematic and racist histories that did too. That yep, we've I, had to do away with. I find myself singing those kind of little ditties and then just immediately being like, nope. Yep. That's, Shut it down. Yeah. Camp town lady. <laughs> yeah. Get out of here. Uh, like someone's in the kitchen with Dinah. Yeah, oh nope. Boy. nope. Nope. Get out. Everybody. Yeah. Just shut it down. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's crazy because I like these songs just drift into your head and you're like, 
that how why am i even like it's just so catchy yeah and so racist so racist <laughs> so all right well thank you again everybody that was really fun yeah well uh we may have a question of the week this week i hope so and if we do look out for it four dollars in rental credit of your choosing can be yours all right let's get down to business let's get down to business all right so the orphanage Mm. let's recap this movie okay um i went to the internet movie database for this recap and unfortunately they're back open yeah, they're back open. <laughs> That's a big deal. Orange not, tier. Not in person, though. Los Angeles leading the way. No mask required, but... Recall, Gavin. <laughs> <laughs> no mask required, but unfortunately, it's not in person yet. You can't go and pull no. out the big books. Um, okay. They'll bring it, a synopsis out to the car. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, it failed me, however. Okay. Because there there were two entries and Claudio Carvalho. Mm. It was just so bad that I... Claudio's? Yes. So I went to RottenTomatoes.com. Mm. And it was far superior. So here we go. Laura has happy memories of her childhood in an orphanage. She convinces her husband to buy the place and help her convert it into a home for sick children. One day, her own adopted son, Simone, disappears. Simone is critically ill, and when he is still missing several months later, he is presumed dead. Grief-stricken Lara believes she hears spirits who may or may not be trying to help her find the boy. Okay. Pretty basic. Um, yeah, so that this come movie... with a PSL, Rotten Tomatoes? That was pretty basic. <laughs> It at least was accurate. the the one mm-hmm. The one on IMDb was so inaccurate that I thought I don't want to waste everybody's time by just correcting it. So, mm. orphanages in parentheses, public schools are <laughs> like everything about it was factually wrong. Yeah, yeah. Um, cool. That so, was fine. Couple things. Um, so this movie is in Spanish, and I hope everybody who Let's watched see. it. Uh, watched it with subtitles and not dubbing as always. I don't always. know that dubbing was even available. Where did we watch it? I, believe, I don't know. On I don't even, I would never stars, watch something dubbed. I think it might be where it was. And I believe the only, the only option was the Spanish language version. And I don't even think you could toggle subtitles, but yes, I hope that everyone did get to see and see these words on the screen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the way they were meant to be. I feel like, it changes a scary movie if you're reading subtitles, but I I was very scared as I said the first time I saw it, so it couldn't have hurt it that much. But anyway, um, so it's it's set in Spain in Spanish, um, so we're not gonna have a lot of clips to play. But the couple things about this um this synopsis, so they moved. To the old orphanage they are fixing it up and her son simone is eight gotta be like eight i think so nine you think he's that old i think well i just i know eight right i mean i know how old the actor was okay so i'm just 
since they don't really say he was it. 13. <laughs> no, he was he was 9. Okay. So anyway, it says in the synopsis he's critically ill. Yes, he was born HIV positive and he takes medication every day to keep that at bay. But the parents have hidden the, the severity of his illness from him as well as the fact that he's adopted. Mm-hmm. I think that's just the severity, but the diagnosis itself, right? There's yeah. no, he takes a pill every day, but as far as he knows, that's it's normal a, or whatever. It's like it's a vitamin. vitamin. Yeah. yeah. But and, you know, even before you know exactly what's going on with him, you know that it's critical because there's this great scene where he takes a pill and his, like both of the parents are just like kind of watching him do it. Like, yeah, okay, it's, it happened. Right. As though this is like every day they are both very nervous about it. And I mean, this is kind of like already getting into some parenting stuff, but let's just go for it. Let's do um, it. Because well, one thing here too is that, um, well, Lara was going to run this orphanage. Her husband, Carlos, is a doctor. Yes, her husband is a doctor and she wants to be a teacher maybe she was a teacher i don't know she wants to run this orphanage right um and immediately when you know just thinking about this as a parent i'm thinking he's so old as a kid i just feel like with Wu being five we probably would we 100 percent would have talked about the fact that he was adopted mm-hmm. if, he, if he was and we would have at least started talking about the severity of his illness, even at five. I really feel like just to get a kid to take a pill every day or whatever medication of any kind. I mean, Wu takes Claritin every day. He takes five milliliters of Claritin every day. And sometimes we forget that. And we're like, oh, we forgot the Claritin. Right. You know, so if it was like HIV medication, I just feel like you would have to talk about it. So I thought that that was kind of cuckoo banana pants as parents to hide both of those very, very big things. And there are plenty of resources. The other thing is this being a modern movie, even though they're in a creepy old house, it is a HIV, right? It is in the present day. It's not in a time period. Mm -hmm. There are so many resources available on how to talk to kids about illness, whether it's illness in the family or their own diagnoses, and all in ways that are developmentally appropriate. Right. Um, I mean, there's literature for free at hospitals, so certainly Dr. Carlos would be able <laughs> to easily grab something, even if he was unsure on what the best approach would be as a human, because that does happen. Doctors are people too. They need They need help from time to time addressing certain things but yeah there you know there because there's like a guy that i was reading that's about talking to kids about cancer Mm -hmm. that said you know if kids i believe it's like kids between the ages of three to five i'll see if i can find it and share it in the show notes but when there's a point at which you know kids under five may the way that their brains work and sort of like the kind of magical thinking that they do gives them a tendency to blame themselves for um, for the illness or think like, oh, my uh, 
if I had gone to bed on time, oh. like my mommy had asked, that's oh. why, you know, like if I had done that, I wouldn't be sick. Or even if it's say the parent who's, that, this is all, the guide was all written from, from that. If you were saying like, yeah, you know, mommy has cancer. It would be to make sure that they're aware that they did not cause it, that their actions are divorced oh. from the diagnosis. And so there are very specific ways that you need to handle this stuff. Certainly not telling them is not an option, especially with right. a communicable disease. Um, you're about to be oh in a God. house full of other children, totally. playing full of sharp corners. The whole thing is exposure to blood and right bodily fluids. Yeah can transmit this disease I've it heard. seems deeply deeply irresponsible as business owners and parents <laughs> doctors. To not, and doctors to not tell their son that he is hiv positive i never thought about that as as a plot issue that i have <laughs> with this um until this viewing so Case in point for this podcast, ladies and gentlemen, this is what this is what we like to talk about. Yeah, um, yeah, and it made me think about Dancer in the Dark, the yes. Lars von Trier movie with Bjork, and uh, her wonderful soundtrack. Oh. The whole thing in that movie is that she is going blind, and it's a disease that's hereditary, and so she is trying to save or get money for her son to have surgery to prevent him from going blind. She doesn't tell him about any of it because stress can make it worse. You know, like there's this reason mm -hmm. why she doesn't tell him about any of it. And I was thinking about that during this, during that part of like, why, what could possibly be your reasoning for not telling yeah. this kid? Oh, but don't worry, the ghosts tell him. The ghost <laughs> the, the ghost the ghost children tell him. So that takes care of that. It takes care of a lot, it turns out. Yeah, sure does. Um, I did like how in light of the ending of the movie, I did like that you you kind of think to yourself, like, well, didn't have a long life expectancy anyway. So it kind of makes the whole movie less sad because, spoiler alert, everybody, um, it, this does involve Simone dying um, from the very first episode of our show, Pet Cemetery. You know, we don't usually like that in a movie, but I, I feel like as far as the fairy tale aspects of this movie go, mm -hmm. I really like it for a lot of reasons that we can talk about later i like how it all plays out for sure but anyway it does involve him dying so it does the, i will also say though you can live a very long time you can on hiv you can and as you know now more than ever i don't know enough about it as like pediatric cases but yeah, it also makes it extra weird. I'm going to add just, that other one layer to just to be like, it you know, is you, you extra can, strange. <laughs> you can definitely, and I think now I think about that, Yeah, but as far as a device, mm -hmm. right, you're right. just like, well, you know, like, yeah, <laughs> you know, that's yeah, totally yeah, not yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. It and does it doesn't feel change. like he's headed for a, for a tragic end yes. no matter what right. is, is sort of the, 
Yeah. 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 The, what they're going for. Right. So, 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 so. Um, I told him it was an accident. Oh, God, Billy. Steve. Sorry, whatever his name is. Damn it. I don't know. <laughs> um, movie that from Pumpkinhead? Yeah. Sweet. Another movie that spends quite a bit of time with like a child's corpse really like both yeah it's oh, pretty yeah that child dies too um, <sighs> sorry everybody and that's one that he didn't like um so a couple of things a couple of things a couple of things before we talk about the next like parenting thing there were a couple things that i just want to talk about that i just love so much yeah let's do it let's get these big let's hear the, these big picture feelings yeah big picture there is a part in the beginning where she La- laura we're saying laura, laura. we're saying yeah. it okay well if we say laura because we're saying simone instead of yeah. laura and simon i guess all yeah. right so laura takes simone just the two of them to this cave that like when the tide is out he can go in there and like explore she lets him go in there by himself he obviously talks to a ghost it's terrible um and scary Uh, why does she do that who knows but you would you totally i totally i totally would he he is old enough where you could Mm -hmm. like he's within earshot and she grew up there i think that's the other part of it right the familiarity with it and her being like i spent god knows how many hours in these in these caves probably right and i was fine yeah and he has a flashlight Mm -hmm. but you know it is sort of like that horror movie like what are you doing yes um it's loud it's loud and i love because it comes up later i just love when the ocean is presented as terrifying as it should be yes episode one us or that wasn't wait what was that episode two three sure Whatever. Early episode, us, great feature of mm-hmm. loud ocean. Yes. And it's, and it does like later on, she falls and like breaks her freaking leg in half oh, on yeah. the rocks. Awful. And I just really like it when it's like, you should fear and respect the ocean. That's right. Tell um, them what your grandfather would say. You never turn your back on the ocean. That's right. Yeah. Never Lest turn the your ocean back. turn its back on you. He didn't say that part, but no, and it's it was more of just a family saying. I and Monica can weigh in on that, but I feel like everybody said it, and also everyone just shouldn't turn their back on the ocean. Yeah, embrace it. Turn around. Just don't <laughs> um, turn on and punch it. Yeah, um, she thinks when when Simone disappears, she thinks he, that he's in that cave, and she goes and she really hurts herself in the ocean it's and it's a great scene because it's like it is pretty chaotic and terrifying um we talked about while we were watching the movie how neither of us remembered the the dad at all no like if you told me she was a single mother in the movie yeah yep yep we didn't remember carlos and i was thinking about that ocean scene about how he's like trying to save her life because she was just so stricken Mm -hmm. and uh in in my mind i'm like oh he's there and i realize now why you don't remember him he he's a completely flat character he has absolutely no arc or growth Mm -hmm. or purpose 
besides or interaction with other characters. It's kind of crazy how yeah. little he does. He, yeah, he like drives the car and bought the house. Yeah. And I think that he is a good dad. Yeah. And a pretty good husband because there's some crazy stuff that goes down and he pretty much like stands by his wife. There is yes, a f- even even when she has to be left alone in the house once they have a sense of what's going on. Yeah, he he lets her do it. He lets her do it. And well, he we can we that. Yeah. We can get back to that in a little bit cuz I want to talk about that in a different section, but before Simone disappears, they have a kind of a thing that they do when he gets up at night and he's crying. He says, "I'll go, it's my turn." But yes. then he like promptly rolls over and goes back to bed. It happens a couple times. Like, That's funny. I didn't even notice that. But that's because that's what I would probably do. Yeah. Like saying, I'll go. I'll go. Mm-hmm. And then he just, but he's like clearly just still asleep. Mm-hmm. And so it's always the mom getting up. And I thought yes. that was a funny thing for us to talk about because last weekend we rearranged our bedroom just to, I don't know. Yeah, just spice it up. Got to keep things fresh. Well, because we had it arranged a certain way for when like the bassinet was in there of the yeah. past, like, you know, before, you know, in the past like five years. Yeah. We live in an old house with small bedrooms. So it was really about making room. Yeah. Really making space to have the bassinet in there. And obviously it's been out of there for like two and a half years, almost three years, mm-hmm. but we just hadn't gotten around to changing our room back. And you were asking me what side of the bed, like what side I wanted to be on. Like, should we switch sides? Right. Because it's basically like, it used to be that Carol was basically looking out our bedroom door while she slept. So if the kids came in, they're not going to go around the bed to talk to me. They're going to go straight to mommy who's there. And so I offered when we turned the bed so that our feet were pointing towards the door but it's still in one it's still in kind of like the left hand side of the room if you're looking in if she wanted to be on that left hand side of the bed so like again yeah, my first point of contact first, or on yeah. that far side but it doesn't make any sense for you to be the first point of contact because you wear a CPAP machine yeah. and you take a really long time to wake up and you like just basically like knock into everything comically when you wake up. Like, I've been dead for 30 years. <laughs> Little dummy trombones. Um, <laughs> um, but you, it's just a mess. It's a mess when you wake up at night. And it I just. Is. Josh. I need your help. And then I fall back asleep. (laughs) (laughs) But then when you do get up with the kids, if I'm like sick or incapacitated, um, gone, (laughs) gone, it is, it is great. And I, I wish it's kind of one of those things of like, well, I don't let him fold the laundry because he's not going to do it right. And then I'll have to do it again. Like, it is kind of one of those things where if I heard other people talking about this, I'd be like, no, you make him get up and yeah. he'll fucking learn he'll how to get up out. and he'll figure it out. And I think in, in most of our, <laughs> in most of our parenting and like household things, we don't do that. Like it's there, it, there, there aren't many things where it's just specifically one of our jobs. Yeah. Like we pretty much go just ping pong back and forth to, what needs to be done 
except for that getting up in the middle of the night thing. So many times I'll say, oh my God, I had such a hard night of sleep. Like I was up three times with the kids and I couldn't get, and you're like, oh, you woke up? Yeah. <laughs> like you didn't wake up when Boo was screaming, lunch back, want my lunch back. <laughs> like, <laughs> At 3 a.m. Yeah. Just like having a nightmare, having his lunch taken away. <laughs> nope. No, but not he, awake. Carly- it's that triage time. You got to You just got to get them back to sleep so you can go back to sleep. There is yeah. no like, but it's your turn. It really is an ineffective means of like, yeah, it's no like time to teach a lesson. Well, yeah, because <laughs> then I would just be awake. I I'm would be encouraging of this. I would be awake. <laughs> I would just be awake anyway. I'd be like, Josh, wake up. Can you wait? Can you get up? Can mm-hmm. you can you go up? And then I would be totally fully awake until you got the kid back to bed right so there's no point Maybe judging the way i'm putting them back to bed oh boy just a white wig and gavel that's right by right. My, right by my bedside <laughs> <laughs> oh, worst mother's day cool. gift i ever purchased <laughs> white wig and gavel pajama set <laughs> it's, a, it's a plush gavel oh my god <laughs> <laughs> um yeah but besides that carlos is a good dad and a pretty good husband. I also want to talk about the paranormal investigators. There are two there are two things. Th- this movie really has it all. It's like a haunted house. It's freaking creepy kids. There's a lot of gore. Like there's gory stuff in yeah, it. Like yeah. they, they're going to show the, the jaw coming off. They're going to show the, the bone. The bone popping cu- out. Pop, pop, mm-hmm. Yeah. Keep um, you on your toes. Creepy mask. Friggin... Uh, strange noises strange noises like yeah a lot of jump scares oh how could we forget creepy kid art creepy kid art so i was gonna say there's two things hallmarks they have so they have the creepy kid art and they have the paranormal investigators the creepy kid art who who told who made the suggestion to us i did that was you yes okay our friend josh I'm the only person I talk to, so quarantine's Thanks over. Thanks for being so shocked that I would have this idea. <laughs> no, I just thought somebody, I thought somebody said no, it to us. Are... No, it's you, of course. You have all the good ideas. So That's right. Tell all Josh said we should make a collection, a coffee table book of sorts, of all the creepy kid art from movies. And we could rate it or somehow get along copy get around copyright laws by having it be like a critique or something. That's right. If it's commentary, commentary. there's a case to be made for fair use. You'd probably still need certain rights, but it'd be easier to get. Yeah. So does anyone want this book? <laughs> yeah. If you want to pre-order this book. Yeah, we'll make it. It's just for us. People will be like, oh, is this your kid's art? You're like, no. no it's just these a... are by adult professional <laughs> yeah. artists. <laughs> so there's a range of because I think in just the last episode in the boy, I said, No children's art is creepy. It's never scary. It's never ever scary. That's right. I stand corrected because I, I will say that Simone's drawing creeps me out because of Tomas. Tomas is one of the five ghost children. He's the sixth. Six. He's the sixth yep. ghost child. <laughs> and he had all of the children that Laura grew up with in the orphanage were, you know, 
in some way differently able. They there there's like someone with a leg race. There's someone who's blind. There's someone who has a sack over his head. <laughs> there's someone with a sack over his head, Tomas, because he is deformed uh, physically. Is that I don't know. He he has a a, a physical deformity. Mm-hmm. And listeners, correct us. We're here for it. His face is jacked, and. <laughs> It's not. It's not pretty, even to his own mother, who's a jerk. Oh yeah, it turns out. Um, his his mother the lady from the old Navy commercials. <laughs> his mother is one of the, like she comes in as one of the the caretakers at the orphanage, and brings her son with her. But the son is like kept away because of his deformity, and all the kids tease him. He's he's just like the bottom of the barrel and they make him wear a sack over his head. It's very sad. And basically those kids like play a trick on Tomas, tell him to go into that cave by the ocean. And Tide comes in, he drowns. And then someone takes his mask from the cave. So oh, he won't, so, oh, so he won't, he won't come, come out. out. That's right. To, yeah. They go in the cave in the dark, take the mask off and then mm-hmm. he won't. And then he leave. won't come out and he drowns. And then, Benia, is that her name? I think so. The the mom basically like poisons all the kids and kills them. It's very sad. Um, you find this out from the paranormal investigators because they bring in a, a, medium. A, a, a medium, a whole team. And so the other thing, the other hallmark that I was that I think we should have a rating system for are like on a spectrum from Tangina. And Dr. Lesh from Poltergeist, like the best paranormal. The best of the best, top of the... Most fun. Top of the heap. Yeah. To Specs from... Oh, my God. <laughs> freaking Insidious. <laughs> Insidious 2 is when they're really at their worst. Yeah. Um, oh, my God. So, like, where they fall on the spectrum, you and know? Our, and our landlady who's with them. Yes. I forget her name. Yes, she bears a striking resemblance to our landlady. So these paranormal investigators, I think, are Tangina level in their own way. It's a mm. it is a, it's an older woman with some assistance, and she is so good. She's creepy. Yes. She's also like uh like has that She's very believable as a medium. Yeah, has like the sixth sense. Has she does. The sight. You, if you saw her, you'd be like, "All mm-hmm. right, sure, I, I, I buy it." Also, great use of a fat actor. Yes, the one of her assistants is an enormous man, not he's just the, fat. He's, he's, he's like, like a professor or something yeah. because Laura goes to see him speak, and he's the one that connects her to the medium and kind of brings mm. the team together. Yeah, and I say great use of a fat actor because you don't often see fat actors just being allowed to be real people and not like he's not eating like a comically giant sub or tripping over his shoelaces or something else. He is a professional human being who's good at his job and And just a person. Just just a person. Yeah. And not in any way like made to just creep you out. Right. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's not even like a too much of a nerd. He is just like a professor, you know, yeah. like just a professional. He's just a professor and a professional. And I will say on that note, even her, her age is not used as othering 
either. It's not like she is an older woman. Laura? No, the, the, the medium. The, the medium. Like it lends to her credibility rather than taking it away or right. making just for creepy sake. Like, oh, right. It's it. not like, oh, she's old and crazy. Yeah. She is like experienced. Yeah. 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 I, I like that. And really, that just brings us right into what I noticed most as a parent about this movie that I love so much and why I think this. I mean, I've always said it's one of my favorite horror movies. Like if someone's going to say like, oh, what what horror movie should I watch? You know, yeah. like it's always up there. Definitely. Um, and I think now just kind of looking at it with just like, you know, more analytically as far as the kids go. And like Have you watched it since we've had kids. No. Yeah, me neither. No. Yeah. Um. Is what I really loved about it is that the the ghost kids, the the original kids from the orphanage who are in various ways disabled, and even Tomas, they're just kids. Yeah, they're just kids, and they just want to play. This whole there's this overarching game that they play, not just the one two three thing, but this treasure hunt where they they take something you love, and it, it's this really fun concept of like look in the place where that thing usually is and it's like another thing is hidden there and then you go to that place and that place and that place yeah yeah. you know so and it eventually leads you to like because they they hide something that you love and then they leave you clues that leads you back to the original spot right it's a it's a it really works well in the movie and it has like a very fairy tale you know um bend to it yeah and that it's a works fun, with the movie and a fun like parenting thing i think to watch laura and simone do the treasure hunt together mm-hmm. where like it's a great it's a good like Ex- writing device exposition thing of like show that they're connected and yeah. show that they know each other's habits and movements mm-hmm. and stuff like that totally. by, by understanding like well where is this normally Right. Where would you go to find sand? You know, like they know mm-hmm. they're all that stuff is just it's, it's it was a good good move and it yeah. keeps it makes some action where I think otherwise there isn't as much like pace yeah, yeah. to a movie like this a little bit slower. Yeah. So, but these kids like they just want to play. It's never that their disabilities are what's creepy. Like you find out through the medium that they that they are like lost souls. They're trapped and they're trying to you know, have their story told and find out that they were cremated in this terrible oven out back. Like, yeah. so sad. And so by the end of it, even Tomas, like who you think might be portrayed as the villain, quote unquote, because he was the one kind of leading Simone down to his like lair right, or whatever. And it's and like you think he's in the or like he probably was talking to him in the cave or was talking to one of them in the cave. Right. But you think it's like, oh, do you lure him in there? Right. And and, and like Tomas kind of attacks the mom. Right. But you you by the end of it, you kind of see it through new eyes of like it was just kind of like an accident, mm-hmm. you know, just right. like all to, of it. Trying to play and just trying to play has like, a hard time connecting right. certainly and yeah. needs attention and needs love and needs playtime she's just a sweet kid 
So it really like. Just that, a kid. All kids are sweet. Oh uh, yeah. Right? Yeah. So we were just, it made us think about No Bad Kids by Janet Lansbury and how much we love the whole book and the concept and how the more modern approach of like kids are always just doing their best. They're always doing their best. And it might look like they're trying to game you or mess yeah. with you or whatever, but like they're, they're just having a freak out or whatever. Yeah. That's the best they can do. That's the best they can do with what they have. They're, you know, it's like they're not bad kids. And, and also, yeah, like the play thing. I was thinking a lot about that, about how now we know so much more about how play is like everything to yeah. a child's learning. And even, um, we just had Wu's five-year appointment and, uh, we were talking about food and how, you know, our, our doctor was like, how's, you know, how's eating going basically. And I was like, you know, this past year, I feel like it was Wu's coping mechanism or something. He went into a really like picky phase for a while. I didn't say all this to the doctor, but I was just like summarizing like, so I, I, I was looking up dietitians that I follow on Instagram and like different approaches and how like, you know, serving them everything that you serve normally and, but just having like a safe food and that food is unlimited. Like if we're making Thai mango noodle bowls, which we had last night from our purple, purple carrot subscription, we're not getting paid for any of this. Um, if we're making that, and like serving some cottage cheese on the side as a safe food or whatever it is, that that food is then not limited. So, you know, they feel safe eating. And then incur- not encouraging, but not discouraging play. So like even with Boo, who still plays with his food a lot, I have to stop myself from like making him use a fork or making him use a spoon because like the play is what gets them to not be afraid of trying new foods right and then not feel like dinner is stressful right there's a thing how it's like one minute per, per year for a kid is how long developmentally you can expect them to stay sitting at a table wow which is bananas because we sit down for breakfast and dinner every day probably mm-hmm. for like half an hour or something insane it might be yeah, yeah. at least Maybe with dinner more like 15 minutes but well in the yeah. in breakfast but d- at dinner time it takes a while Cause they're just like being goofy, but like I'm trying to get a little bit ahead of it with boo mm-hmm. anyway. Yeah. So, but woo is like turned a corner and I really feel like it's been because of taking all the pressure off of it. Yeah. And it's easier said than done. But anyway, that- well, you had a good thing about like separating the foods and not mixing them all together so they can see the different stuff and they don't get overwhelmed by it being this mesh mash of of food on a plate and for him he's gamified it himself which is about unlocking foods yes he loves doing it like in a in a in his games where like you unlock a level or a character or something like that Mm -hmm. that and he so he every time he likes something or doesn't he will draw in the air a lock and he will either the big reveal is is it locked like does he make the top of the of the padlock 
on the same side as where he drew it in the air or is it on the opposite side mm-hmm. as though it is open? And uh, it's very hard to follow, but I'm getting better at it. And it's been really cute and really fun. He has actually tried some stuff. and But that was like a thing of his own invention. I don't think it's like something that would work for yeah. every kid. He just kind of was like, oh, that's how I'm going to express like the things I like and don't. So. Right. And it and it and it's just like having that space mm-hmm. to allow that kind of thing to happen. Yeah. Um, and he's excited by it too. Um, I want to say something else about these kids, about this mm, thing, mm-hmm. what you're talking about in this movie, that like there, there are fun misdirections with, with this too, with like, you think the seashells leading in or like they leading in evil spirits and demons mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. But even that is just a game yeah. and that is just play. Yeah. That even the rough stuff with the mom like pushing her into the bathtub and closing her fingers in the door just happens they hurt you i mean i i call boo's head a wmd because he will just knock you with his head and hurt it hurts so bad (laughs) it's crazy so brutal like in the chin in the whatever in in the lips like i've had i've had swollen lips because of that like they just they don't know their own strength, whatever. Yeah, it's totally true. It's all just, it's all just a game. I love it. I love that whole part of it. And it really is just like the kids are creepy all right kind of thing where it's like, yeah, like they're, they're playing this creepy game. They're laughing. They're, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. ooh, it's just like kids are creepy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so they you are. can see it that way. They don't really know how to behave around you either. I don't know. There's a lot of that. Yeah. To especially these kids with clearly have like socialization issues and yeah, abandonment issues and all kinds of other things that they're coping with. Mm-hmm. I yeah, it, it's a, it's a big it's a big challenge. So then at the end or nearing the end of the movie, Lara is Laura. Laura is totally at the end of her rope. She's freaking out. Yeah, and she's she, losing it. It's tough. And like you mentioned earlier, she asks you know, because because Carlos is like, I can't. We can't do this. Like, we we gotta like wrap it up here. Like, right. we're, we gotta be done with this. Like, it's driving you crazy. Like, Simone's not going back. Like, we also probably can't open this orphanage with. Like, she acknowledges that. Like, yeah, no one's gonna come to an orphanage where okay. I lost my son. Right, we're like the person running it. Right, can't keep track of their own kid. Right, so she asks him. um, can you give me two days alone in the house? I just need to like have closure or whatever. And I was thinking about that. And I was wondering like the way that you said it earlier is like, he understands that she needs that or whatever, but I'm like, she's a hundred percent going to kill herself. She's suicidal, you know? Mm. And so I don't know. I was like, I wonder what I would do in that situation. If I would leave you alone or if you really would leave me alone. Cause it's, it's tough. It's like, yeah, you want to like give somebody that space, but she's in such a bad state and the house is so dangerous. Yeah. It's like right by the water. I don't think I would, but um, anyway, that context she, is important. I think I was really just putting it in the, like he listens to her <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, very yeah. surface he, bucket, the low bar of good dads. Um, I know. Yeah, no, I I like how they, like, I like that their relationship isn't the thing. Yeah. I do like that. Um, 
But so she takes that two days and restores the orphanage back to like its original state and like puts on one of the caretaker's uniforms and just like wants the the ghosts to come out. She's asking them to come out and they pretty much don't until she starts playing with them. Right. And so when she plays with them, they start playing the treasure hunt game. She finds Simone in the basement. It's very tragic. I remember actually crying, not throwing up tears in the in the Just movie. Just regular sobs. Just regular crying. It's very sad, but it's really well done. It's such a Guillermo del Toro kind of thing. He produced this movie. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's a heavy... It reminded me of The Devil's Backbone. I don't think I ever saw that. Oh, it's good. It's very similarly heavy and sad and scary. Mm. Um, but not that scary. Like in the way the Pan's Labyrinth is like, yeah, you know, depressing. Some real heavy shit going on. For sure. So, yeah, there's always that, the real human cost of all that, or like why all this fantasy is kind of a, a yeah. part of all his movies. Yeah. So she, when she finds him... And she finds him. She finds the thing that they took from her, right? He's the other. Right, he's, he's the, the treasure. He's the treasure. And she makes a wish. And she says, I just want Simone back. And she's saying this as she's overdosing on his HIV pills, which I was like, ah. um, mm-hmm. But I really related to it. And I thought it's such a great cathartic movie to watch if you've experienced loss in you know even if it's like a miscarriage or something where it's Mm -hmm. like no you just want to die you just want to kill yourself you would do anything so i thought i just thought it was so powerful and so well done because more to that what do you 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 would want to if you found your child's dead body Mm -hmm. in the basement after like nine months Of of searching for him and you would want to kill yourself and she does and it's very i think almost impossible to get to the point of like making that the only good choice <laughs> in the in the story mm-hmm. and like and then but having it be like it feels like a happy ending because right. he comes back and then all the kids come back and they're like alive and she is she's getting her true wish which is that she's running the orphanage for the sick kids right. and she's there with them and they're all like she knows the kids and she knows the she kids she, she grew up kid. with them and it's like just this beautiful like somehow a happy ending after all this tragedy mm-hmm. yeah yeah but when really at its core it still is she needed to end her life because she was so grief stricken is also yeah. great. Like, yeah. That. I mean, I wouldn't, I, I hope that no one actually kills themselves ever. Never think that suicide is a great idea. I, I don't, I don't, I, there's very few times in reality where I feel like that is, uh, the choice I would ever make, you know, like I always think about the mist how they mm-hmm. like start to kill themselves because they know that the monster's about to get them. Right. And then, then they get that, like the one guy gets saved. Yeah. Um, 
you know, I'm always, I would always try to fight it out. But, um, but I thought, like, just as a story and as a way to process that of like, watching something like this, where it's like, yeah, that's what you would do. That's what you'd want to do. Yeah. And yeah, just like getting to be with the, your loved one again. It's very sad. It is. Yeah. I mean, it's an um, important thing to, to honor in that way that it is <laughs> like, uh, yeah, it's, yeah, it's like honoring the, like, that is what you'd want to do. And the, yeah, that grief can be that real and that like kind of bottomless and that like, it could be really hard to see any other way forward. And that like, oh, there is this solution real or imagine, you know, that like the fantasy piece of it is that there is this, mm-hmm. yeah, that that is a solution, you mm-hmm. know, but I mean, also for people in a lot of pain and that kind of thing, it is something that people should be able to do it is a real, oh totally yeah. i oh that yes if you're choosing to end your life in that way i i completely think it should be legal and all of that i guess yeah. i wasn't thinking about like yeah like ending your compassionate life. compassionate yeah. yeah but yeah so just i've always thought that the ending was so so sad and it is but i had a different like respect for her choice in that moment because I feel like that's what every parent kind of goes to when you think about terrible things happening to your kid Mm. so I had like a different different view on it yeah (laughs) (laughs) paragraph symbol um page break (laughs) apple enter yeah so transitioning Mm -hmm. we do have some scary good stuff that we thought about for this movie and we um it has to do with treasure hunts so for Wu's fifth birthday was pirate themed and we did a treasure hunt kit and we did it over facetime with our with um cousin henry and auntie megan and it worked really well even to do that i mean i feel like we aren't living in that world anymore which is great so you could do this in person with people um but it did if you are still socially distancing it was a great thing to do um in that way over zoom or whatever you could do it that way um but i got a treasure hunt kit from this uh website called blimey box Dot com and it has a lot of escape game kits that are like scallywag privateer buccaneer for like different age groups um but the, they also have like a a separate treasure specifically like just a treasure hunt um and it required kind of a lot of legwork on mm-hmm. on our end and was a little bit too old for a just yeah, turned some, five-year-old like, some like math and code breaking in it you yeah know, like oh match these symbols that kind of thing yeah so like be prepared to help your kid but it was so cool and it was like 10 bucks and um but you can also you can also buy these like crazy escape game bundle things that are much more expensive but the pdf version of that anyway i will link to it yeah, and really similar to the game in the movie is that you are hiding clues around 
the house mm-hmm. in places that any house or apartment would have, you know, so it's like where you do work, where you get the food, you know, like just mm-hmm. where you keep towels or something, you know, like there's, mm-hmm. there's all these kind of common things that even in close quarters, you'd be able to do, do this. And they had a blast doing it and it was fun to see them like kind of working competitively collaboratively on you know do trying to do it simultaneously and like listening to the other one as they're like getting ahead and doing anyway it's just really fun in different yeah. spaces um totally yeah very very fun very cool we're in prime treasure hunt mode um so yeah this also hit a little closer to home for that reason mm-hmm. as well totally mm. so that also brings me to a question of the Weak. How can you ask me a question like that? How can you ask me? I'm your brother, and you ask me that? Uh, the question of the week, I'm just going to... Maybe I'm piggybacking too much off the nostalgia of last episode and the success we found with that, mining that rich vein. But mm. what's a game as a kid... The, Mm. what's a kid's game that you played as a child (laughs) that you just fucking loved bonus points if it's something you made up i want to know like who out there made their like who you you just had that game you went back to and in reality it was just one like rainy weekend you just played it a ton but i want to know the one that comes to mind for me is capture the flag i was definitely a slightly older kid with that, but probably for like my 10th birthday, that was my birthday party was just playing capture the flag in the woods behind my middle school with with a group of people. We brought two coolers full of water balloons. And so you could throw them at each other to also like get you out. And it was so much fun. I think so fondly about it. And I would love to play adult capture the flag if that was an option so like yeah hit us up with your weird versions of tag your uh yeah house rules hide and go seek whatever it might have been board games video games oh yeah sure Mm -hmm. that's yeah that's great anything anything you did but yeah that you were just obsessed with extra special bonus points though if you added your own twists if you uh, invented it out of whole cloth whatever it might be okay two things i I have never played Capture the Flag. All right. So I'm happy to set this up as a birthday activity for you, um, maybe for your 40th, but um, <laughs> 30 year reunion of your 10th birthday. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree. It has to be all the same, same people. It's like, this, it's like uh, it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, they all have to do it in the sewer. Um, so there's that, but here's the the other thing that is gonna put a nice little bow on this episode. Ooh, the game that we made up that was an outside game with neighborhood kids. The, our favorite. I'm literally not even joking here. Our favorite game to play was Orphanage. We oh called it orf- We called it playing Orphanage. The the and you guys josh didn't know this was not planned no none of this was planned no um the whole thing was that we were orphans and one person usually aunt monica was the arsonist was the arsonist (laughs) 
No, was uh, was this? She was cast as Sister Delarosa, which mm. we, <laughs> we was not from our schools. So a lot of the kids in our neighborhood went to a different uh, Catholic school in our neighborhood. We went to the the one across town. Um, but I think Sister Delarosa was the the like the mean. Oh my, she was real. S- the, the, the mean nun at their school. So they would be like, Sister Della Rosa. And we would, um, yeah, it was really like, the, and she was evil. And But then we would like escape from the orphanage and she would like punish us. And What would she do? What would, <laughs> she, go on? She would chase us. And this was all outside. It wasn't right. like we were, so we would pretend to be like sleeping on our like brick stairs. And we were also obsessed with Annie. So it all played together. Maybe for your 20-year high school reunion, mm. you can get those kids back together mm-hmm. and you can play orphanage mm-hmm. at your Catholic school. But it'll be like, mm, dos, tres, toca la pared. Yeah, no, that's right. Toca la pared. Toca la pared. Toca la pared. See, thanks, Babel. All right. Um, so tell yeah. us your games. That's a great question of the week, Josh. Thank you for thinking that up from your... Thank Le- you. 11 p.m. brain. Thank you so much. And I think it's time to rate this movie. Oh, yeah. Let's rate it. Let's do it quick. Okay. So this movie, Josh, mm-hmm. how many wrought iron bed frames Ooh. do you give the orphanage out of six? I give it six. I love this movie. It is great. I it was one of the most terrifying theatrical experiences I ever had. So it holds a special place in my heart. And so I think even after rewatching it and realizing, okay, like there's not a lot of scary parts to it. And I get why people are maybe sometimes underwhelmed by it. I think it's excellent. And I also, we didn't get to talk about this earlier, but I love um, foreign horror movies. I like focusing on the subtitles because mm. I also find it makes me even more sort of invested in the scene in the in like the surroundings because like Mm. when things then move out of the corner of your eye or something else your focus is drawn elsewhere so it's sort of more of i find it sometimes more of like an arresting thing from a a, or or what am i trying to say i find it to be a, a more um immersive viewing experience right because you have to be paying attention yes you have to be looking at the screen but you're not looking all over the place so Mm -hmm. then when yes something moves in your peripherals or whatever you are you're more drawn Mm. to it and also sound design plays such a huge role on this one like this so like i do recommend watching it loud if you can yeah well it's gonna come as no surprise that i agree with you Mm. six out of six 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 all the kids are coming back all the kids are coming back. Um, so then, speaking of kids, oh yeah, let's uh, let's rate these kids. Let's see. We uh, all right. How many? Um, how many white handlebar mustaches at your country picnic do you give <laughs> the children in this movie? Uh, out of ten handlebar mustaches. Um, well, I gotta say, I gotta say 10. I love Simone. Mm, So cute. He's such a cutie. He actually reminds me of a friend's 
child so much mm. and they, uh he's like the mom is i have no idea what her she's white but the dad is uh mexican or spanish and they mm-hmm. live they at least did live in mexico for a while but really creepily similar um looking kid so i've thought about simone over the years as i've watched this kid grow up and anyway um he was great he was like really um he was it felt very authentico authentico he it felt yeah it did it felt very authentic as far as like his like tantrums and stuff Uh um still not truly authentic because that would be unwatchable uh, unwatchable as we all know actual tantrums but he was so great and i love the little the little kids and yeah yeah they're so great and i love that they're like not they're they're not creepy as i said before i love that what do you think about those kids i also agree i think it was we talk about like did they do the most of what they had absolutely like i think they nail it with with the with the creeps when they need to, but by and large they are like, they're all like loving and curious kids. Yeah. And they just do great with all the kids stuff, which is really what you want out of mm-hmm. like the kids in these movies. They feel very, they just feel very real. Yeah. And no, I, the creepiest thing is Tomas's mask. Yeah, absolutely. And that is, it should be creepy and terrible. Don't do that. Mm-hmm. Don't put a mask on your kid like that. But always, Put your mask on your kid for COVID. That's right. <laughs> oh my God. Carol became an anti-vaxxer in the last two weeks. <laughs> I forgot to mention that. Um, Look, you don't have to play games with us, you guys. Just don't be a creep. Get in touch. You can email us at mummyxdeady at gmail.com. We are on Twitter and Facebook, mummyxdeady. Instagram, mummyxdeadypod. Visit us on the internet for show notes and more mummyxdeady.com If you like what you hear, please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. And hey, while you're at it, tell a friend. Our theme music is by Kyle Andrews. Our logo was designed by Dara Weinberg. Maggie Spaulding is a vintage doorknob that you find before it's too late. gaze on women over 50 without the slightest trace of wrinkles on their face doctors go and take their dough to make them young and nifty the doctors i defy to tell me just why no matter how young a prune may be it's always full of wrinkles we may get them on our face prunes get them every place prohibition worries us but prunes don't sit and brood for the matter how young a prune may be it's always getting stewed
In the kingdom of the fruits, the prune is snubbed by others, and they are not allowed to mingle with the crowd. Though they're never on display with all their highbrow brothers, they never seem to mind. To this fact they're resigned, that no matter how young a prune may be, it's always full of wrinkles. Beauty treatments always fail. They've tried all to no avail. Other fruits are envious. Because they know real well that no matter how young a prune may be, hot water makes them swell. Baby prunes look like they're dead, but not wrinkled quite as bad. The world is getting better. We've even learned to fly as days go passing by. But what about the poor old prune? His life is only wetter. No wonder he can't grin in the awful stew he's in. No matter how young a prune may be, it's always full of wrinkles. We may get them on our face. Prunes get them every place. Nothing ever worries them. Their life's an open book. But no matter how young a prune may be, it has a worried look. Kind, they say, when sickly people moan. But no matter how young a prune may be, it has a heart of stone.